This is Werewolf the Podcast, a podcast about the role-playing game, Werewolf the Apocalypse. Welcome to another episode of Werewolf the Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Josh Heath, and today we're going to be reviewing the epic, the wonderful, the really, really short read book, Nuisha. And I am joined by my co-host. You can introduce yourself. Hey, everybody. I'm Becca. Um obviously your co-host, as well as a member of the Cold Brew crew over at Twin Cities by Night. Awesome. And if you folks have not been listening to the wonderful Twin Cities by Night actual plays, they don't have anything werewolf-related yet, but yet. eventually they will. And the games they have are wonderful, so go check them out. Okay. Oh, boy. Are we ready <laughs> so, to talk about Nuisha? Yeah, that's the question. Are we Are we ready? I don't know. That's, um. Well, let's start out by who wrote this book. Mm, we'll <laughs> Can't start, go wrong with that. <laughs> start by the numbers. Uh, this book was uh, published in 1997. It was written by James A. Moore. I don't know if that's important or not. And developed by Ethan Skemp. The editor was Cynthia Summers. She did a wonderful job editing. Thank you, Cynthia. Uh, art direction was by Eileen Miles. Interior art was done by Steve Prescott. The back cover art was done by Steve Prescott, and the cover design was by Matt Milberger. So that's, that's a fun last name. It's a very fun <laughs> last name. Um, yeah, there's some fun uh, special thanks in here too. If you folks aren't noticing it yet, we're holding back on the review. We'll get to it. We'll say some fun things. It'll be this will be an exciting review. So Becca, Nuisha, what are the Nuisha? So Nuisha are one of the changing breeds that are, th their animal is coyote. Um, and I think like pretty much any of the tribes within Guru, as well as I'm, this is my first changing breed book that I've read. So I'm assuming that all the other ones are going to have similar layouts. They have their own creation. Oh, they don't. They don't. Okay, well, now you have me intrigued, but we can talk about that later. Um, the Nuisha have their own creation story that sort of mirrors a lot of the tribal Guru tribes. And um, I, I think I appreciated that, that aspect. But Nuisha as a whole, they are kind of the tricksters of the changing breeds. So they are... But I would say the Ragabash are to the Guru Society, but they see their job as not just being tricksters for themselves, tricksters for everybody. Um, later on in the book, they have their own set of rules, and one of them is like they they need to teach people through tricks. So that kind of gives us a little bit of a focus with what Nuisha are. Yep. 
Um, I agree with all of that presentation on them. Um, the only thing that I'll add um, is that they are based off of the universalist myth idea of the trickster being a common element in all mythologies. Mm. I, as other listeners, as our wonderful listeners probably know, I hate things that are like universal human truths because I think that's <laughs> nonsense. However, um, it's, it is understandable for making the, the change, this changing breed viable as a playable. Like, I, I totally understand the academic side of why you would be annoyed with that universal truth, but I, the mechanic side, it makes sense that they went that way. So we'll get into that in a little bit because that's covered in one of the chapters. Yeah. Yeah. It, that definitely is. And I agree with you. Let's save that rant for a moment. <laughs> um, but this book starts off with a comic, which is not the first time we've had these, but it is going to become really, really common. Um, you're going to see these in all of the breed books. Um, they were kind of a focus for a little while for White Wolf, that their books would start with a comic rather than a story. And I think this comic is really, really good. Um, and that's probably the best part of the book. Really? Really? Course. I mean, I, I definitely enjoyed the comic and the story going into it, but huh, I'll have to, I'll have to think about I don't know. I don't know. You just that just surprised me and caught me off guard. It is good. It is good. Yeah, it is definitely good. So if you do anything with this sixty um, some odd page book, seventy page book at most, uh, read the comic and then decide after this review if you're going to read the rest of this book. Um, so one other thing I want to mention before we dive into the book, though, is that um, Nuisha and all of the other Farah slash changing breeds were presented before in the player's handbook for second edition. Um, so this isn't, and also one of the first edition books, so this isn't the first time you're seeing these folks, but it is the first time you're getting kind of a full treatment of who they are and why they are. Um, and that's where we'll start with the introduction. What are your thoughts about the introduction, Becca? Which is only a page, so it might not be a very long thought. Yeah, honestly, I forgot that the introduction was there. <laughs> it's been a little bit since I've gone over the book. Um, okay. We, uh, we had planned to record this episode like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, we had a lost recording. And life and explosions, things things got exciting for us. Pentax attacked. <laughs> oh no! Oh, um, I mean, it's just what I. I mean, not I didn't summarize the introduction, but it gives you the the kind of it does what an introduction does. <laughs> I focused on what was going on in the rest of the book because that was just a summary of kind of what to expect. Yeah. I think we basically covered this introduction. I'm just doing a quick glance at it. Um, it is in character, um, which is helpful. It, this stays in character. Um, I think this book, um, I'm going to go off on a random segue. Yell at me, Becca, if I'm going uh, <laughs> too far off. Yeah, 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 I got gotcha. you. I'll reel you back in. 
But I think this book is narrated because all of the other breed books are um, involved with Laughing Many Skins, who is a major character. I think the narrator in this is Laughing Many Skins. I don't know if that's ever said outright, but I think so. Okay. And Laughing Many Skins is... No, Coyote doesn't have a chosen one at the moment, does he? Okay. Laughing Many Skins would be his, like chosen avatarish sort of thing. Okay. Yeah, so maybe. I don't know. That's my brain's not quite computing because my <laughs> understanding is there isn't one so that you can as a storyteller can choose and make your own. Um because hmm. so Interesting. Maybe maybe this is before that. I don't I don't know. Oh, I maybe. don't know. The <laughs> other thing is White Wolf is renowned for saying this is a thing that you can do as a player and then being like, yeah, we're going to slot an NPC into that. So, woo! <laughs> All right. So this book starts off really, really and truly with chapter one, the truth about the world. And yeah. So I liked this creation story. It was, it's not the dark and grim that we've seen that I've read with some of the other tribal books specifically um, who, who focus on ha and have their own creation story. Just a quick recap of it. Basically coyote is the one who's created the world, everything in it. And um, I think including the, the different spirits and you, you don't quite realize at first that he's talking about the triad, but he does sort of he doesn't talk about the wild um but he he talks about the corruption of the worm in um and how the weaver is or spider i should say is behind that um and but the approach to the story as a whole is again just not that dark and grim it's not everything's going to it I'm having a hard time articulating what I'm trying to say, but I personally enjoyed the creation story. Um, and I don't know if this is one of the first times where we really see that the weaver is specifically responsible for the worm. I know the stargazers kind of touched on it a little bit, but this is a different perspective for that. Mm -hmm. um, I think this is absolutely really clear. I know we've, we're like throwing the weaver under the bus every episode these days. Um, but this uh, creation story is really like the weaver is clearly in the wrong um, because the worm was just trying to like get some people to hang out with. Um, the well, Go ahead. Yeah, yes, but also no, because <laughs> the worm has too much pride, mm -hmm. apparently, according to Coyote, because Coyote yeah. can... Because he created the world, he can go in and save everything. So on one hand, it's like, well, why don't, why doesn't he just go and do it? But they had to come up with a reason, and I guess it was, I guess it was pride. Yeah. So I guess the thing that I'll add, I, I think I agree with you. This creation myth is actually well written. It's not super dark. It reads like a chapter of a a, a fairly common myth story, and the reason for that is because it basically is stolen from a Diné or Navajo um, creation myth about Coyote and how oh. he was the creator force of the world. 
and even pulling in things like sp- like spider and worms and other things like that which exist in that uh myth so gotcha i, I mean that makes yeah. that makes sense given that the the chosen ones of coyote tend to be native american yeah and the reason for that is cuz coyotes are native to the southeast um southwestern sorry southwestern america um okay. and now coyotes are in every uh part of south and uh south and north america sorry let me get those geographies right <laughs> uh, coyotes are native to southwestern north america and they are now found throughout the americas because of humans um because we basically killed off all their predators and they're like great we want to be wolves and so they're breeding with wolves <laughs> and dogs and they're becoming a mega species that's taking over the world. We will. That is very important. We'll talk about that again at the end of this. Re- oh, okay. I'm interested in that. You got me hooked. <laughs> okay. So it sounds like our basic feeling with this creation myth is it's interesting. It provides sort of a, a, a cool newish background in different ways to the world of darkness. Is that right? UtilityMuffinLabs.com is the source for podcasts like 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, the NerdWords podcast, and the Playing Hooky podcast, to name a few. We offer gaming, music, and pop culture content, as well as graphic and audio design, voice talent, and more. Go to UtilityMuffinLabs.com to commission us for your audio needs, digital artwork, and advertising opportunities. UtilityMuffinLabs.com, consistently rated adequate. Becca, what are your thoughts on the rest of the history that's presented in chapter one? I I think kind of my opinion with any of the histories that they do, we covered really well in the kinfolk section, in the kinfolk book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just never quite long enough. And with this one specifically, it does a wide time frame. So that also, that might be why I'm like, it's just, it's there, but it's not enough in my opinion. Yeah. I I think that's fair. Um, It's a 70 page book and I really wish this chapter, like this history chapter was like, it's 70 pages itself because it probably would be fairly interesting if it was. They do focus a lot, obviously, on the Americas because that's where coyotes are from, right? Mm -hmm. Native Americans. So that's from that focus makes a ton of sense. Um, and then, of course, it gets into colonization, but it sort of like in some ways addresses the problems of colonization, but also like in some ways looks over them without, I don't know, like it does an almost decent job of saying like um, Europeans and the Croatan and all of that sort of um, stuff that happened before uh, settlers really like took over the Americas. I don't know. I wish there was more here. That was a little bit more like this is how Native American people were hurt by all of this, but it doesn't seem gotcha. to take that perspective enough, which I know like the the tone of this is slightly lighter because it's coyote, but I don't know. Like part of me wants this to be dark humor and it just comes off as kitschy humor rather than dark humor. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I I think that would have been a very appropriate way to have written coyote. And it would have made sense a lot with the, I mean, the different aspects of him as well. Yeah, agreed. Um, the other thing is there is some information about the War of Rage in here. 
um, and the other Pharah get referenced. Um, this is the first book where we really get an idea of what the War of Rage looked like. Um, but it doesn't dive into it as deeply as some of the other books. Wait till we get to the, uh, the Garal book, um, in particular. Gotcha. Um, some of the other Pharaoh books will really spend a lot of time with the War of Rage, which I think makes sense because they're also much longer. We'll talk yeah. about what that is in a minute as well. <laughs> um, but here's the thing that really bothers me. I, I need to have a mini rant. I'm sorry. All I right. need to have a mini rant here. Bring it. Um, the Nuisha, like, leave for the stars in this story they they run off to the umbra they're like we only need a hundred nuisha on earth at a time we're just gonna leave for no good reason there's no reason given why they would go traipse off into the umbra it's totally unclear it doesn't make any sense coyotes are super numerous around the country why would there only be a hundred nuisha i don't get it You hit exactly my number one complaint with this book, which is, for some reason, Nuisha have a huge tie to the Umbra and the stars. They talk about the stars a lot, but they don't define it. And, like, when we read Axis Mundi, Mm -hmm. it's just, they kind of just state it but they don't delve into it so it's this very surface level thing and i as a storyteller go well that's great you gave me something that i don't even really know how to use within the system because it doesn't it's so ill-defined yeah exactly like it's great you want to go to the stars but what are the stars in the world of darkness like Mm -hmm. in some books it's their realms of the umbra like in mage their realms of the umbra that are these like um, idea planes and things like that. And in Werewolf, they kind of get to that in a later book, which I like, which is Rage Across the Heavens. But why would the Nui should go there? Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that being said, the, I think it's in this chapter, the story where they build up to kind of leaving for the stars where the guru are coming in and chasing them. And, um, like I loved, I love that trick where <laughs> they used Guru's nature against themselves and their rage, and it ended up making it so that they couldn't use a cairn. And yeah, it's it was one of the aspects of like, oh, okay, like I can kind of see the trickster side. Um, but kind of mirroring the whole Umbra thing, I almost feel like the trickster side, like, great, they're tricksters, but again, it's almost a little bit ill defined. Yeah, I like the idea of trickster. Um, a trickster group that are doing this sort of thing. I, I just don't know if I get the point and maybe I don't have the right sense of humor. Um, but I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't get the joke. So this is the Galliard grumpily saying, I don't understand them. No, we just. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. I, honestly, I kind of feel the same way in regards to Nuisha as as well as Ragabash in general. I personally have a hard time with that trickster teaching thing. It just, it, it, my brain just goes, you're just being a dick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. So, no, agreed. Um, <laughs> so all of our listeners that are Nuisha fans just walked out and the rest of you, um, chapter two. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, th- but that being said, like, I definitely obviously have complaints about Nuisha, but conceptually, I would totally use Nuisha in a game. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, again, we're kind of talking about the book itself. So chapter two, how to be a proper Nuisha. You think that they would give you a good idea, but... <laughs> um, I th- so we talked earlier about the different aspects of Coyote. It's called Coyote's Faces, where you, you have that universal truth. Um, and the the system behind this is the faces of Coyote are essentially the the auspices, what the auspices are to the guru. So the cool thing that I liked about this is that a Nuisha can choose at any point to follow a different face of Coyote. I thought that was cool that they can change and yeah, totally can change the kinds of gifts that they have, but not necessarily they can get new ones. There's, there's some interesting aspects to that and they really piqued my interest as far as a system goes with this. I agree with you. The system elements that are behind this are great. What do you have to say about the story part of it? About referring to the different faces of Coyote and how they're yes. discussed. Um, being someone who doesn't have the same kind of background knowledge of creation and all these different stories, I mean, they, they kind of made sense, and at the same time, it's like, okay, I mean, I just don't know enough to be like, oh, this is obviously wrong. I'll be fair to it. I don't think any of this is obviously wrong. I wouldn't use those words. I think if you uh, if you come at this from the uh, the point of view that every trickster slash trickster-ish idea in human mythology comes from a, an Ur myth or this idea like that there was a common human myth back in the past that all of these figures are from and that ultimately their um, actions were good for the people in the story or the gods in the stories that they were members of, then all of this makes sense from that perspective. Um, the problem is, is that I don't think that's true of half of the myths that they connect with um, because because I think that's just like not a particularly accurate view of what myth does. That's just my opinion. Gotcha. So the the idea that if you have that standpoint of perspective of the one universal truth, then yeah, it can totally work. But then you go into looking at Loki, for instance, in Norse mythology and go, well, North mythology doesn't interact at all with any of these other ones. That's what you're getting at. Okay, yeah. perfect. In, in particular with Loki, there's this view that Loki is a trickster deity, which is not true. Loki is a representation of why it's dangerous to bring in people that have your worst interest at heart into your community oh and oh you've got a person that's supposedly good and here to help you and yet they're consistently like stabbing you in the back and throwing you under the bus and you're like man this really stinks it's like yeah be a little (laughs) bit careful about who you invite into your house gotcha yeah but maybe maybe that is a coyote sort of thing so maybe i could be wrong in this case at least well i mean it does fit within the idea of teaching that kind of model is still a way to teach people 
some wisdom for sure, but that's not how they approach Loki in this book. Loki is the warrior aspect of Coyote, <laughs> which, you know, when we think of uh, Thor and Loki, especially in Marvel, it's like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. And it's like, no, I mean, it, it's not true to its roots. Yeah. Loki never picked up a weapon of any form in the Norse myths. So, you know, if he's, you know, getting his, uh, let's, let's leave it alone. Let's leave it alone. Okay. I have lots of yeah. It sounds like we could, we could rant on it. So just going real quick, the different faces of Coyote, we have, uh, Time Alice, which is a, a trick spider form of the trickster. Um, very ruthless is, is what I would say about that one. Obviously we have Loki. There's Raven. There's, oh my goodness, I don't know if I can pronounce this. Agma. That's not the one I was looking at, but yeah, that one, Agma uh-huh. makes sense. And then the one right after that. Oh, Zochipilli. Zochipilli. Oh my goodness, that is not what I would have guessed. Um, I, that one caught my eye because it, Zochipilli works with, uh, games of chance and changing the odds of things. So that gave me some ideas as a storyteller. We have, oh goodness, correct me if I'm wrong, Chung Quill? Go roll with it. Okay. Close enough. <laughs> Pata as well. I think that's, oh, we have Pan and Coco Pelly. <laughs> and you want to take a stab at the last one. And Kishi Joten. Kishi Joten. Oh. Welcome to Werewolf the Podcast, where we <laughs> listen to Becca try to pronounce names. Um, so, I do have a question for yeah. you. Out of all those faces, what what was one that stood out to you that you liked? Let, that let's I try to find that you liked. liked. Okay, uh, let me look through these again real quick to see if there's one I like. Um, huh, that is a great question. Uh, yeah, we're not allowed to be... Completely negative. We have to find things we like, too. Okay. Good question. I think, actually, that I liked Team Elise, um, which I think might be Team Alice, but I could be wrong. Um, there's supposed to be a, um, a diacritical mark over the eye. That's all right. I'll, that's a, a hard thing to do in publishing, so I won't give them a hard time for it right now. Um, I like this. The only problem is there are spider shifters, the Ananasi. So I don't understand why coyotes got to invade their space. Um, but that said, if I were to say like one of these faces is the more interesting ones to me, this sort of like dark, like aggressive coyote, that's the one that I'd be like, I would use a uh, Nuisha to do this because I'd want them. I don't like the idea of Nuisha as like these goofy kind of laughy characters. But as mm-hmm. like a, a really sort of brutal, like uh, breaking and entering and destructive figure. Cool. I'm I'm on board with that. Gotcha. Yeah. Having that more dark spin on Nuisha is kind of, I think, where we're both leaning rather than, you know, the slapstick obvious pranks. So, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a good one. Um, so I'm I going am... to... Go ahead. Sorry. I'm interested that Patah is here. I'd forgotten about that because the Wheel of Patah in North Africa is a really important 
Cairn. And I, mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious why there are no Nuisha there. Um, if they've got this like face that's connected to that, um, figure. Is it, I'm, if I might be getting this mixed up with one of the other faces, but I think Pata is one of those. If you follow Pata, you are probably in the Umbra. That might be, oh, Omagi. Yeah. No, you're this. right. Um, it, because they interact with void engineers and things like that. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, they're going to be out in the Umbra. But again, like, one should be at home at like the center spiral, right? Or center, yeah. not spiral, but center like point on the wheel of creation. Mm-hmm. I agreed. Okay. Again, kind of have those oversights. And um, the wheel of Patal you can find in Rage, uh, no, uh, Places of Power, right? Yes. The first time it's mentioned is Places gotcha. of Power. And then there's a whole book, basically, Rage Across Egypt, um, okay. that covers it, which is weird because Ptah is not in Egypt. But anyway, yes, <laughs> um, they go into it a lot more in that book. Gotcha. So the idea is that should have been an established fact that, but, you know, okay, okay. There's a lot of different details when you start to have this many books. Yeah, for sure. So um, one thing I want to mention just off the cuff real quick, there are no Nuisha Metis. They uh, only have two breeds, Hamid and uh, Coyote which I don't remember off the top of my head what they're called, but they're lupus version. Um, so they only have Hamid and Coyote slash lupus versions. As well as, so obviously, like you said, they don't have any Metis. Um, I, my understanding is that they can also breed with other uh, other shifters, but I think they specifically talked about with... Um, other kinfolk of different shifters, and mm-hmm. if they're if the resulting child isn't Nuisha, then it's like that person is both kinfolk to Nuisha and whatever the other side is. Yes, kind of like it's it's an interesting detail. Coyote um, Nuisha aren't affected in the same way as Guru. Like they don't have the same curses. They don't have rage. They don't have a silver. Um, Oh yeah, they're, they're yeah. unaffected by silver. You're right. They're, yes. they don't have silver allergy or intolerance or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Um, they're not specifically hurt by it extra. It's not aggravated damage. So th- there's some interesting choices that they went with Nuisha. I don't necessarily understand the purpose of it, but I'm not necessarily trying to call them out and say, "Oh, these are bad." It's just they are what they are. Okay, cool. That's it's different. Yeah. Hope it's not different for the sake of being different, though. Right. Uh, though the more I look at this book, the more I think about the new Isha, I'm not, never sure why you would play or how you would play one in a game or would you have a whole new Isha game? Anyway, let's not talk about that yet. Uh, we'll yeah, we'll get there. That. We'll mm-hmm. get there. Let's talk about Trickster's Laws. Yes. So mm-hmm. real quick going over them. They don't have like a full 10 no. or 13 that Guru have. It's very, it's a very short list about a full page. Six. Six. There we go. Um, the first one is Let Fools Die a Fool's Death. Um, they, Nuisha like low hanging fruit. If you're easy and receptive to learning things, then they'll teach you, but they're not going to, someone who's stubborn, they're not going to go after you and try to continue to teach you. They're going to let you go on your path of destruction. Mm-hmm. Teaching those who need teaching a proper lesson. That's 
we've talked about that a few times already. Always prank the worm. Be subtle. Respect Luna. And think, then act. And I feel like those are all pretty straightforward. Um, we haven't really touched on Coyote's relationship with Luna. Do you want to explain that real quick? Yeah. So in the creation myth, which we just kind of um, waved our hands over earlier, um, Coyote um, was involved in creating the world. Um, but Luna had all of all of whatever existed living on her uh, before then. And then when Coyote came to Earth and created everything on Earth, Luna got a little snippy and she's like, but everybody left me, um, which there's a part of that story that makes me wonder, oh, was there a world where things existed on before this world? And wait, it might be called Exalted, um, but that's <laughs> an entirely different thing. Um, but it would be interesting if there was like a link there. Where it was like, oh, well, this great um, Coyote you know, being helped bring mm-hmm. everybody from creation to this new creation that was created. You could link in things there. Um, uh, but in that, yeah, uh, Luna, uh, was upset, but Coyote was like, to appease you, to apologize for the wrongs, I will always sing to you. I will sing to you every night, which is what Coyote does. Um, and that's why Coyote supposedly howl is because they're apologizing to Luna. Um, and sometimes she agrees. And it's like, oh, I love you. I will show you my whole face. And sometimes she's like, no, go away. I will not show you my face. Which is an explanation for why there are moon phases. Yeah. Um, so from there, uh, you know, that that's the first two wonderful chapters of this book. Um, and then you've got chapter three, which is the world from Coyote's eyes. Um, and this is where they say definitively, and they'll say it again, there are only 100 of our people on the earth at any given time. And mm-hmm. most of us are among the stars. But yeah. that's it. That, right. that surface level, this is what it is. It's like, okay. Um, I, I mean, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, they could, it could possibly be because they, want as a collective group to think everybody to think that they don't exist and having less people on earth help accomplish that but i feel i feel like that is a stretch like i am because they don't explicitly say that and i'm making that connection i'm like still not gonna forget this (laughs) yeah yeah i'm i'm with you like i know at this point when this was written coyotes uh, were going through a massive um, die off. They had been a lot of them had been killed, so maybe they were thinking, "Oh, there won't be coyotes by the time like um, ten years goes by, and they'll all be gone." But coyotes are back with a vengeance. They're everywhere. They are in your backyard right now. Um, so I don't know. I do know that um, this chapter gives a lot of information about how the. Nuisha view everything, view the different continents, view the different Garu tribes, mm-hmm. view the different Thera and uh, everybody else. So I think that's helpful if you want to play a Nuisha. Um, and it's very conflicting information from what you'll read in some of the other Thera books, which I think is helpful. But again, I don't know. <laughs> helpful in the sarcastic way? No, like, if you wanted to play a, a uh, Nuisha for some reason. Yeah. Now, 
I mean, I think you covered chapter three pretty well. Um, so we're going to have a quick, quick divergent from the book specifically. Mm-hmm. What kind of stories do you think, if you were to run a Nuisha game, would you try to tell? That's a good question. So I do want to say this about the Nuisha book. Um, my first, the first person I was uh, talking to about being a co-host is a huge Nuisha fan. And she is someone I'm a huge fan of. Um, we have been friends for a long time. We've LARPed together for a long time. And I know um, she loves the Nuisha. So at some point, maybe we'll have her on um, if we can get some time to do that so she can tell us why they're amazing. Um, but in all of that said, I would struggle to write a story that was just a Nuisha game. Um, maybe... I would have it be like a, a small game. Uh, that was a weird way to say small. Um, <laughs> like two players or three players that were like, mm-hmm. we want to be um, Nuisha that are coming back from the Umbra, trying to figure out what's going on with everything, and then doing strategic strikes against the Worm or against the Garu or against whoever they've decided that they're going to strategically strike. Maybe everybody. Um mm-hmm. That's probably the story that I would tell, or I'd rip off the the story that they sort of have going through all the the, the breed books, where there's a Nuisha or a few a few of them that are trying to connect with all of the Farah to get them working together again. Gotcha. That actually makes way more sense. Um, I think somewhere in this book they talk about how Nuisha aren't particularly social with each other. Because they like to have their space, and part of the reason why there's only a hundred on Earth. Um, so I think we would be hard pressed as storytellers to find a a good reason to tell a all Nuisha game. Yeah. I think if you were being really awkward, you could have like a single Nuisha that was pretending to be a Garu because that's mm-hmm. possible. Um, yeah, technically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I like that because then you're like, oh, why does Mitch over there not, you know, get affected by silver when I smack him with my clave? And then he's right. like, no reason. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. 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 It is what it is. Um, Goodness, I think the only story that I really came up with on my own was would probably be a one shot focusing around they have um, a festival. They have once a year, all the Nuisha get together in a very private place and they tell their stories. They they do the equivalent of a moot, a grand moot. And they they talk about, you know, Heaven forbid if somebody outside Nuisha comes in because that person would not exist after that. So it could be, you know, telling a story with that could be interesting. Yeah, I could see that working out really well if you had, um, like, these different... A couple of things could happen. You could run some of the politics of all the Nuisha getting together and being ridiculous together. Um, And then you could, like, have, like, an attack from Black Spiral Dancers or um, something like that. Or even like, hey, there's all this whole group of kinfolk that um, are associated with two, like a werewolf tribe and us. Um, and maybe we have to like get them on our side again. I don't know. I'm reaching. 
Yeah, yeah. I, this book was not super helpful in the idea of I want to play Nuisha and run a game for all Nuisha. Yeah. Well, it's hard when you're like, oh, you're a, you want to be by yourself. So you don't like hanging out with other people. Like, that's mm-hmm. so hard. Then you're just that gangrel in the back of the room in a LARP with your, like, claws out going the whole time. Like, it's not fun. I, it might be fun for some people. Maybe. Anyways. Maybe. Anyways. Um, but I agree with you. I think Nuisha are better incorporated with the rest of um, changing breeds. Is Agreed. Having this being my first changing breed book. Agreed. Um, so the first, uh, so we're at page 46, and now we're into the appendix. So, like, there was 46 pages of content, 45, really, because one of these is a big picture of a, um Acme-type coyote. Um, and then now we're into the appendixes. So that's that really gives you an idea of the amount of content that's in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're starting to deal with the system side of it. And it's the, the one thing that I will point out about this, because I don't feel like we really need to go into this part in, too in depth. They, they talk about certain powers are not, um, oh, it's in particular, Gru may not purchase Umbral Affinity. And they, they calling out like, Hey, you know, let this be Nuisha stuff. Guru have their own. So kind yeah. of a kind of a fun. I've had players that are like will look in all sorts of source books and be like, oh I want this, I want this, and I want this, but without looking at the context. Yeah, agreed. Um uh, th- there is something that I want to pull out of here. There is a really, really uncomfortable gift mentioned that's actually from the Werewolf Players Guide. It's a level five Nuisha gift called Teasing Mate. It's totally inappropriate. Do not let anyone run that gift. That is just my opinion, but it. I mean, I completely understand. Uh, they they have a correction in here for it, and I looked at it and I went, "Why?" <laughs> right. The correction makes it worse in some ways. Yeah. Um. Well, I I don't feel the need to really go into it more beyond that, so we'll just leave it there. Yeah. Um, so ignore page 49, Player's Guide Errata, if people are reading this <laughs> future. Um, there are a lot of gifts in here. I actually think some of the gifts are cool. They get an update in W20 train- Changing Breeds. So if you're running Werewolf 20th Anniversary Edition, just get that book instead. Um, but I think they're cool. Most of them are, are well-written. What about the fetishes? How do you feel about um, about those? Any opinions? Um, I think the one that stood out to me the most was Coyote Spang, and those are explicitly very rare. Um, I have feelings about fetishes. I mean, is that what they even refer to them as in for Nuisha? It is, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, I have mixed feelings on them in general. They're they're okay. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think that's fair. Um, they go into, um, also totems in here and you can, these totems don't have to just be, um, Nuisha totems. So if you wanted to have Loki or Pocapelli and Pan or, um, Team Elise, I think it's Team Elise. I'm just going to roll with that. Um, you could have them as a, a Garu pack totem. That would be kind of neat. Mm, I don't know why you'd want them for a Nuisha, but you could. 
you could yeah i i think you'd have to if you had guru who wanted to use a, a pack of players there would have to be something set up in the story because the totem picks the pack as much as the pack picks the totem so there needs to be kind of that trickster maybe it's a full ragabash group mm-hmm. who knows who knows yeah, yeah. Um, the last two appendixes are uh, sample characters and then um, the um, uh, the like legendary kind of figures in the Nuisha. Um, old Man Miniskins slash Laughing Miniskins is one of them. Um, mm-hmm. I really like him as a character only because um, I, I've used him in several games. I think if there was a Nuisha that I was going to use, it would be him. Um, mostly because I think it's funny how he keeps messing with the other changing breeds in the new, in the books as we're going to read them. Um, and then the Naga really are like, yeah, you're not doing this anymore. Um, but that will get to that story. Um, that's the book. I don't know. Do you have anything else? Yeah. Becca? Um, pants, pants, pants. I, I appreciated that on their character sheet. It's, they have a pants question mark. So I'm like, why that of all things? But okay. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) I feel like on some level this book is lost on me. Or maybe I'm lost on this book. I don't know. Yeah. Um, So kind of talking about, again, bringing full circle the book in general. Rating it. I think I would give it a maybe six out of ten pants. <laughs> um, you're giving it more pants, more pants than I would give it. I would probably give it a three out of ten pants. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe even two and a half pants with a leg ripped off. Um, <laughs> um, I Coming from it, from the perspective of, okay, this is my first Changing Breed book. Is it okay from that perspective? Yes. Would I read this again? Probably not. It sounds like the 20th anniversary stuff is going to be a better use of your time um, and probably condenses a lot of this information in a more effective way. So that's where I would lean. It wasn't a bad read. I just wouldn't read it again. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, I think um, for a, for a book like this, it's okay. Um, one of the things that's interesting to note about the breed books is they were all supposed to be about this size. And then people got this book and then they got the Bastet book. And the Bastet book is huge because the Bastet have as many tribes as the Garu do or almost oh, as many gosh. tribes. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. That, we'll, we'll have <laughs> that conversation during the Bastet, uh, totally review. Um, and people were like, why am I getting this little tiny book after the last book was huge? And White Wolf was like, oh, uh, I guess we can make the other ones bigger. And so they did. Um, so all of the other books are a little bit bigger because they were designed um, after that sort of frustration from fans about this being so small. Um, I think if it was bigger, it would have been able to do a little bit more of what it set out to do in a better way. Um, it's clearly designed to be used in some ways with the Wild West book, even though it doesn't oh, yeah. have a Wild West marker on it. Um, I feel like the new Weesha fit better in a Wild West game, mm-hmm. which we're going to be talking about next recording as well, Werewolf the Wild West, which I'm very excited about. We will be joined by a special guest. 
Um, uh, yeah. I, I don't want to say anything more negative about this book, but I do want to say, like, coyotes are everywhere. There should be more, more Nuisha in the world. Um, mm-hmm. That could be a whole plot line that you could use in a game, which could be really interesting. Wait, why are all these wolves here all of a sudden? Oh, wait, those aren't wolves. They're coyotes. Oh, wait, they're Nuisha. Why are they inviting our cairns? Mm-hmm. Um, there's cool story stuff that you could play around with that. Um, I just don't think this book does enough to make me say, go and buy the book. I'm going gotcha. Yeah. And I'm, I'm right there with you. Okay. <laughs> Um, before we go, any other thoughts, questions, concerns, um, takedowns? Okay. Not that I can think of. If people were going to look for you on the social medias, where would they find you? You can find me at Epic Botch on Twitter, as well as I'm frequent in the Twin Cities by Night Discord server, so... Feel free, come on. We talk not only about vampire, we talk about all the world of darkness. So come come join the conversation. Definitely. Um, and you can find the podcast on werewolfpodcast.com or uh, on Twitter at Podcast Werewolf or on Facebook at Werewolf the Podcast. And if you want to talk to me for some reason, um, I was just at Gen Con and people were like, hey, you do that podcast thing. That was great was awesome to hear and see people in person um, sterling in particular the shout it was for you thank you very much for your critique um it was very helpful um when people give us feedback i always listen to it um i don't always implement it but i always listen to it um and take it into account i really appreciate uh quality constructive criticism um but if you wanted to find me you can find me on um Twitter at High Level Games. It's the best way to talk to me directly. Um, yeah. So um, until the rest of the Nuisha figure out where they are amongst the stars, um, we will talk to you again next time. The music provided in this episode is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech Music. You can find his work by Googling Incompetech or Kevin McLeod. Thank you for listening to another episode of Werewolf the Podcast. You can become a patron of Werewolf the Podcast via High Level Games at our Patreon at High Level Games. You can learn more about High Level Games at highlevelgames.ca or by Googling us. Thank you for listening.